0: Well, God bless you. Welcome to the wonderful Words of Life radio program. You know, you more than likely don't know me and more than likely I don't know you. We've probably never met, but there is somebody that we all know, and that is someone who is lost. And so in this session, we're going to be in Luke chapter 15, and we're going to be talking about the lost sheep. We're going to be talking about the lost coin. And we're going to be talking about the lost son and what our responsibility is in reaching the lost for Christ. So let's pray. Father, we bless you today. We thank you. Lord, speak to our hearts today through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Father, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart, Lord, be acceptable in your sight our strength and our redeemer. And we give you all the power, all the grace, all the glory, Lord, belongs to you. In Jesus' name, amen. In Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse one, one time many tax collectors and outcasts came to listen to Jesus. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law started grumbling. This man welcomes outcasts and even eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. What does he do? He leaves the ninety nine sheep in the pasture and goes looking for the lost sheep until he finds it. When he finds it, he is so happy that he puts it on his shoulders, carries it back home and calls his friends and neighbors together. Rejoice with me, he tells them, for I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 respectable people who do not need to repent. So here we have, uh, in the ministry of Jesus, we have all the outcasts of society, society, publicans, sinners, tax collectors, uh, prostitutes, uh, the uh, off-scouring, or we could say the uh, the, the people that society has, does, does not consider, uh, doesn't take time to get to know. Well, because Jesus is the personification of the love of God and because he welcomed everyone, he didn't exclude anyone. Publicans and sinners, they drew, drew near to him to hear him. And of course, the Pharisees, the religious class, uh, they began to murmur because they didn't uh, they didn't mix they didn't rub elbows with this kind of people they stayed separate from them and so they began to accuse Jesus and say this man receives sinners and eats with them and so Jesus he in answer to this accusation he speaks parables in response to this criticism and so before we get into the teaching you know, we have to ask ourselves, do do we ignore the lost by living wholly separated lives? And I know that there's some in this world that we'll never rub elbows with. But we can live such separated lives that we actually begin to ignore the Great Commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, not every one of us are going to go into a foreign land to preach. But we certainly can pray for those that do, and we certainly can support those who do. If we support a missionary and enable him to go into a foreign land to preach the gospel, the same reward that he will receive in preaching the gospel is the same reward we will receive by helping him. Remember the the ladies that followed Jesus? And they supplied out of their substance, they supplied the needs of of him and the disciples and his ministry. What kind of reward do you think uh, they received when they went to heaven? Or how about the poor widow woman that all he had, her entire living was just two mites. And Jesus observed the rich giving out of their abundance. And then this poor widow woman cast in her two mites the least valuable coin uh, that was known at that time. And yet Jesus commended her and said she gave more than all of the rich people because she gave all she had. Well, there are people in this world that are willing to give all that they have uh, to reach the world in answer to the Great Commission. And see, we need to make sure that these people are taken care of, that they're supplied now, we are to obey. And this is how we this is how we obey uh, this mandate to go into all the world and preach the gospel. You know, we may not are called to go in to all the world ourselves, but we can certainly support those who do. So we are to all of us. We are to mandate and command uh, this. Uh, the Lord uh, in uh, going into all the world and preach the gospel. Most of us have to start in our own backyard. And then by the grace of God and by his power, maybe we'll wind up one day in China. But we are to obey this mandate to preach the gospel to all the world. But by contrast, the Pharisees, they lived such separated lives uh, that they had grown to have no compassion and no mercy for those who were lost. And we cannot find ourselves in that condition. We must remember the lost. This is the reason why God saved us. He saved us to serve him, but also to serve one another. And so Jesus goes ahead and he speaks this parable. And this parable is about the hundred sheep. And how if one is lost, uh, the shepherd, he leaves the 99 that do not have uh, the need uh, to be found and goes after the one that which is lost and when he finds the sheep he rejoices how many people do we know that used to be in the church but now they're lost sheep well there's some things we need to understand about a lost sheep first of all the lost sheep knows he's lost But see, he's drifted so far away, he can't find his way back to the shepherd. And when the sheep cries, oftentimes he's crying out for help. If the lost sheep really wants to be found, Jesus will move heaven and earth to make sure that that person is recovered. But notice what Jesus says here about himself. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, who's on the sheep or not, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. The hireling flees because he is an hireling and cares not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and my sheep know me as the father knows me. Even so know I the father and I lay down my life for the sheep and other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring and they shall hear my voice and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. So the good shepherd, he leaves the 99 who are safe, who are being fed, who are being taken care of, and he searches for that one lost sheep until he finds it. And then he rejoices over the sheep that is recovered. And Jesus says in this parable that the tax collectors and the sinners, the offscouring of this world, they're the lost sheep. And these are the sheep that Jesus is searching for. Well, how is he going to find them? Well, he's going to find them through you and through me. The shepherd places the lost sheep to such a degree that he's willing to lift them up on his shoulders and carry them back to where they belong. And the fact is that you and I all at one time were all lost sheep. And the fact is that the reason why, you know, we should care for the lost sheep is because Jesus bore all of us up upon his shoulders at the cross. He brought us into his fold. And consider this, that if the Lord Jesus left his estate in heaven, If he humbled himself by taking upon himself human flesh in order to bring you and I into his sheepfold. How much more are we to carry the gospel to the ends of the earth in order to do the same? And I want to thank God that I have friends that do just that. I value them highly. And I want to help them and by prayer and supporting them all that I can to make sure that they're able to do that. Amen. To go find these lost sheep and bring them into the sheepfold. And then Jesus says this, or suppose a woman who has 10 silver coins loses one of them. What does she do? She lights a lamp, sweeps her house, and looks carefully everywhere until she finds it. When she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together. Rejoice with me, she tells them, for I have found the coin I lost. In the same way, I tell you, the angels of God rejoice over one sinner who repents. So here's a parable about a woman. And she had 10 pieces of silver, but she loses one piece. And so what she does is she lights a candle. She sweeps the house and she seeks diligently until she finds that one lost coin. How many family members do we have that were raised in our home at one time, but now they're lost? And see, this woman, when she finds uh, this silver coin, she calls her friends and neighbors together and she says to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace that I had lost. And Jesus says, You know, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. See, the sheep knew that it was lost and it wanted to be found. The coin doesn't know it's lost. It has no want or desire to be found. It's just laying there in the masses. See, this coin is dead. This coin has no life of its own. But it is a servant. There are many people in this world, they're dead in trespasses and sins. But notice this woman. She considered that one coin so valuable that she was willing to go and find it. And do whatever she had to do to find it. This woman would not stop until the coin was found. And I liken this to the power of prayer and intercession. I'm telling you, lost family members can be found again. And in many cases, it's going to take the power of intercession and prayer. Standing in the gap, standing in faith. And there are many sinners, many of them in our own household. They'll die one day and go to hell if someone does not stand in the gap and intercede for them. And there are many of them today. They have no idea that they need to be saved. They think they're okay. And these will never be found unless they're diligently sought after. You know, and I like uh, this parable because I, I like Jesus using this woman because she did three things. Number one, she lit a lamp. And I like that because it reminds me of the gospel. It reminds me of the gospel of the grace of God. And how that we through the gospel can shine unto these, our family members, those in our own household that have walked away. Many of them have never made a decision for Christ, even though they were brought up right. Maybe when we were raising our children, we didn't know the Lord. And so we didn't raise them to know the Lord. But as we grew older, we received Christ. But what about our children? What about our grandchildren? Well, they're still walking in darkness. How is that going to change? How are they going to be able to see the light? Well, we need to light a lamp, don't we? And the second thing I like about this woman is the fact that she swept the house. She made diligent search for that which was lost. I like that. I liken that to prayer, incessant prayer. Always having the lost members of our family on our heart, bearing them, hallelujah, before the Lord. And the third thing that she did is she found the coin that was lost. And she rejoiced. The coin could not find the woman. It had to be the woman who found the coin. And I think that is so important to us today. And once again, when we find the lost coins in our household and they come back. Hallelujah. Jesus says there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner, over one lost coin that repents and is saved. I tell you, that is so valuable for us today. And then there's the parable of the lost son. You know, Jesus talks this parable and we'll read, read about it in in just a few moments. But there's two sons in the father's house, the elder and the younger. And the father, one day, he's going to divide his all of his possessions amongst to, among his two sons, the elder getting two-thirds and the younger getting one-third. But the younger comes to his father and demands his portion of the inheritance. And he leaves his father's house and he travels into a far country and he wastes his inheritance in riotous living. And after his money has been spent, He's reduced to penury and no one is willing to help him. Isn't that interesting how that uh, money makes uh, strange bedfellows? But now that he's out of money, nobody's willing to help him. He's forced to eat what's given to the hogs. And he's so hungry that he's willing to uh, reduce himself to such a degree. He's hit the bottom of the barrel. But he comes to himself and he realizes that life was so much better when he was in his father's house. So he travels back to where he came from, humbles himself before his father and begs forgiveness. Now, what does the father do? He gladly receives his lost son back. The mere fact that his lost son was willing to return speaks to the fact that he has humbled himself And that he has repented. And what does the father do? Well, he gladly receives his son back. He restores all of us, all of his previous privileges as a son. But the older son that has stayed in his father's house that never did what the younger son did. When he realizes what's going on and he becomes incensed that the father would invite him. What are you doing inviting him? He left us. We didn't leave him. He's incensed at the fact that the father welcomed him home. The younger brother who has done his father so wrong. And when he complains to his father about this, the father says these words Son, you're ever with me, and all that I have is yours. And it was right that we should make merry and be glad, for this your brother was dead, and he is alive again. He was lost, but now he's found. Reminds me of what Paul said in writing to the Galatian church. He says, brethren, even if a man is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Each one looking to yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. Now, in the case of the younger son, his intention was he was going to wander into sin. He wanted to find out what the world was all about. And he had already been deceived into thinking that he'd be better off outside of his father's house. Oh, you know, young people are saying, if I can just get out of this house, then I can live the way I want to. The world is filled with alcoholics, drug addicts, prostitutes. Sexually immoral people. He thought life would be better if they would just get out of their father's house. You know, I've asked drunks, I've asked uh, drug addicts. If you knew the first time you'd take a drink or the first time that you would take a drug, if you knew what your life was going to be like. Would you have gone ahead and done it anyway? And, you know, most of them, we know what they say. Nope, never would. I remember a man that uh, heard his testimony. He testified actually to me that he was a hard worker. He had a great job. He had 10 acres of property. He had a house. It was all paid for. Had a new car, new truck rather. And uh, one day a friend of his invited him to a party. Well, this friend just happened to be a drug dealer. And introduced him to crack cocaine. And that man tried it. And one year later, he had nothing. He had gotten rid of his property, his house, his truck, living out on the street, had nothing to call his own. All because of that drug. You know, and you ask this man, well, if you'd have known what your life would be like today. Would you still have tried that crack cocaine? No, sir. Wouldn't have touched it with a 10 foot pole. Wisdom always sees the end result. That's why it's so important to stay in the word of God, to stay in prayer and to teach our children to do and to live like that. Amen. Praise God. So in the case of the younger son his intention, he was going to wander into sin. See, he had already been deceived into thinking he'd be better off out of from his father's house. And what he didn't realize is that sin doesn't pay. It just seems like it does. No. But see, sin cost him all he had. And what the scripture teaches us is that the pleasures of sin are only for a season. And so when he is hit the bottom of the barrel, he comes to himself. But see, he makes his way back to the father's house. Now, there's a truth here. The father didn't go looking for him. But he was ever watchful, waiting for him to come home. And when the son did come back, the father rejoiced, forgave his son, showered him with blessings and restored him to his rightful place in the home. By contrast, the older son remained in the house and did everything in obedience to the will of the father. But now when the younger son came and he was restored, he got mad. He was angry. He wouldn't rejoice that his younger son was returned. But the father corrected him lovingly, showing him, that he was to rejoice that his brother was lost. But now he's found that this is our heavenly father's heart towards those who wander off. See, this is the heart that should have been in the Pharisees and the scribes. They should have looked upon the prostitutes, the sinners and the tax collectors as those who have wandered off from father's house. And should have worked diligently to get them to come back home. And when they do come back home. To rejoice with them. And to be glad. Glad that they are restored to their former place of honor. Jesus said this. He says, if your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day. And returns to you seven times. Saying, I repent. You are to forgive him. Amen. See, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me now my share of the property. So the father divided the property between his two sons. And after a few days, the younger son sold his part of the property and left home with the money. And he went to a country far away where he wasted his money in reckless living. He spent everything he had. Then a severe famine spread over that country and he was left without a thing. So he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him out to his farm to take care of the pigs. He wished he could fill himself with the bean pods that the pigs ate, but no one gave him any. At last, he came to his senses and said, all of my father's hired workers have more than they can eat. And here I am about to starve. I will get up. I will go to my father and I will say, father, I have sinned against God and against you. I am no longer fit to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired workers. Now, this speaks and should speak to each and every one. Of our hearts, Because what we see here in this parable is that sin always costs us more than we thought it would. And it always takes us farther than that we wanted to go. And Scripture tells us that the way of the transgressors is hard. But notice when this lost son, when he came to himself... He recognized the fact that the pleasures of sin are only for a season. And that there are people who are generally saved and they backslide. Have you at least once in your life, you who are saved, have you at least backslidden one time in your life? There are different degrees of backsliding. Sometimes we wake up in the morning and our heart is stone cold. And we don't want to have anything to do with the Bible. We don't want to have anything to do with prayer. We want to go out and do what we want to do. See, that's that's the attitude of the backslider. And for some of us, it takes a while to come back home. But see, the wonderful thing about the backslider is eventually they're going to come to themselves. And they're going to realize that life and fellowship with God is so much better than yielding to sin and transgression. But notice what the lost son says. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. See, that's the spirit of repentance. And that's the initial step towards repentance is confession of sin. You know, the prophet Malachi wrote this. He said, even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from my ordinances and you have not kept them. And then Malachi, the prophet says this, return unto me and I will return unto you, says the Lord of hosts. And the lost son says, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Just make me one of your hired servants. I mean, this you talk about somebody who has been humbled in life by the things uh, that he has experienced and humility that's another step towards repentance you know the ability and the and the desire will and desire to repent and to come back to god you see in the religious man the pious man he doesn't understand these things The religious and the pious, a lot of times they're depending upon their own works of righteousness to win God's favor. And they want to hold against those who are not as, quote, good as they are. And we are never to forget the fact that at one time we were fallen in trespasses and sins. And we're to have compassion upon those who are brothers and sisters who have fallen into trespasses and sins. And to repent, fully repent and fully restored to favor is the thing that we desire and the very thing that we seek for. Hallelujah. Amen. And see, this is the heart of the father towards his children, those that are in his house and those that have left his house. And there will be children who go astray. They have been, they are, and they will be. But this doesn't mean they're lost forever. It does mean that we are always to welcome them back to the Father's house because He's waiting for them to return. Like the Lord spoke to one of our family members, they're asleep, but I will wake him up. And for those who have left... Let me tell you something. The path of the just is as the shining light that shines more and more into the perfect day. Keep looking for those lost ones. They'll come home one day. Father, we bless you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for receiving me in Jesus name. Amen.